Alright, we're here with Chris now. Hello Chris. Hello guys. And Matt. Yo. And uh, we're just running our second podcast. I think the other one has successfully been uploaded. Uh, we'll find out after this I'll run the two of them and see. Um, it's always the learning process. So me and Matt last week just spoke about the company. We I've talked a load of crap. Yeah, loads of crap. But it was fine. Parenting. Parenting Matt techniques. Parenting advice. On, uh, how to be a parent and how to get your kids into uh, into sports. It's actually a good thing to have because Chris is here and you get the youth stuff. Um, but we went into our background as well, just talked a bit about where we came from, what we did. So what's uh, what's your story, Chris? What did you do? Where did you come from? I am from Ireland, um, obviously. Uh, I spent a lot of time playing rugby growing up as a kid, uh, played a lot of representative stuff back home. Went to the UK, played somewhat professional for about a year or so, did my SNC degree, and then earned my trade in London Irish, uh, which is a professional rugby club back home. Two years there, uh, worked with the GAA London football squad. Uh, for a year before moving out to Dubai, where I PT'd for a number of years, and now we're uh, now we've just started the SNC uh, and the youth development and the PTC, um, amongst other things. So yeah, good. Yeah, we were saying how uh, we all sort of came over to pursue um, the development of SNC in, in the UAE in Dubai. Um, we've we've are myself and Matt a bit more in the private clients thing, but you're still working on strong with the schools, aren't you? What, who are you working with now? What are you doing? Um, so we're in our uh, third year now, we're just starting with GEM Sports Academy, which is basically uh, a branch off of one of the GEM sections, um, and they basically bring kids through uh, and push them towards universities in the States. So they're now, uh, they're now in their third year. We're working our way back through the younger ages. Um, so we've now got guys in that are, that are year seven. Um, and we've just started working with the guys from the American, um, American education system. And then we're working with DC also, uh, so Dubai College, and we're working with multiple sports from them. We're only in our second year with those guys. Uh, so we're again we're starting from the top and working our way back down. So in a couple of years' time, we're going to have a fully fledged kind of S and C uh, system slash curriculum to to kind of bring the kids through from point A to point B and send them off to university. But with with the uh, the gem stuff though, like that's, that's obviously separate from the main school. Yeah. So like, how is it that the kids get selected? Like how, what, what do you, if you're like a parent listening to this and you want to put your, your kid into a sports academy, like what, what process do they need to take? First of all, they need to find, um, and they will come across the marketing section of the, of the GEM Sports Academy. So uh, you just need to basically apply, and then there is a callback system. You'll have to answer some questionnaires, um, and then there is a bit of physical testing to see if the if the pupil is up to the standards that we uh, that we are striving for, um, and then yeah, they just need to have the grades and have the willpower really to go ahead and do what they want to do and chase it for a number of years. But does the uh, so obviously you, you test them 
as far as like their physical capability? Do they, do they do they have to like demonstrate like a certain level of say basketball skill or rugby skill depending on what they want to go into? At the moment, uh, we are gradually improving the standards year in year out. Uh, currently, there is no specific requirements um, mm. because we're trying to get it off the ground uh, and do what we can. Um, with, with, with the people that we see basically so uh, there has been quite a few successful stories just yet and there's been a few that, that haven't really developed you know so uh, as the project picks up pace in a couple of years time then we'll, uh, we'll probably have to put particular markers in place yeah we did the testing I did the testing with you the testing's not that severe you know we're testing people tend to be a little bit wary of and get a little bit scared of like oh no testing i won't be good enough <laughs> yeah like but it was, it was just kids wasn't it it was just some some squats and some what, what did we do yeah look some, we're we're not dealing with professional adult athletes here it's it's we're still getting these guys at a younger age so all we have to do is make sure they're capable of moving left and right and not falling over literally tying one their literally one girl ran as fast as she could in a straight line and fell over. Do you remember that girl? Yeah. We were doing, was it sprints or we were doing uh, a shrivy shuttle run? And she was just super keen. Like she, the whole morning she'd been ready to go for everything. She'd be asking questions and uh, probably a bit nervous. God, one of the, it was a three point star, so two feet and her hand on the ground. And it was three, two, one, go. And she went, dum, 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 dum. That's tough though, man. Like, like I'm sure when we, we speak to Nick about sprinting and stuff, like it's tough like to get in a three point stance and then actually maintain some sort of forward lean and not fall over. She fell over. Like this is this is like the real. <laughs> and she skidded as well because we oh we were doing one fifties because there was a, there was another kid uh, standing at the line, so she had to run stop at the line. He had to make sure that there was, she came to the line. Yeah. And turn around and went back. She had, he had to make sure that her foot touched the line. Mm. He, she just went straight into him. <laughs> I mean, it's a technique thing, but it's also like a core strength thing, right? Like, you need to be able to hold that position. Because, yeah, I mean, that's quite common when people do fall over, so... Yeah. Bless her for... But it's a, it's a pretty good representation, but she's... She, I don't know if she made it. I, I can't remember what she looked like. I just know that there was a poor, maybe, a 12-year-old girl? It must be 12, were they 11 or 12? That's the thing. Like, again, you're not... You're, you're, you're quite clearly not dealing with experienced or... In running. Yeah, <laughs> any yeah. type of athlete. But, um, I mean, yeah, like some of these guys, we all started off, you know, very young as well. So these guys, again, they're, they're just, I'm just glad that they're getting the opportunities that we didn't really have. Yeah. So at of, least you're just asking questions and things. I mean, at that age, it's kind of like, are you actually coachable at all? Or are you just yeah. some arrogant kid who thinks he's yeah. got it? Yeah, yeah. yeah she was, she had the right attitude, but she, I think she just worked herself up. For record, it was in a basketball court. She didn't, hurt, she, did, she didn't hurt herself. It wasn't like it was on gravel and she got cuts and scrapes. She just, did that whole tumble, you know, that squeaky fall over sound. And well she, she was well 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 not running in a straight line, but yeah. trying to get to a cone and turn around. But uh, yeah, we've definitely all fallen over. That's the part of being a kid. Um, so what kind of sports are you dealing with? Like, what are they doing? So uh, the GEMS is a multi-sports school, so it kind of, it changes from year in, year out, depending on who really applies. So there's a mixture of basketball, there's a big football influence, obviously, um, just being where we are in football itself is just always big. A uh, couple of gymnasts this year, um, speedos have come on board this year, so there's quite a few swimmers. Uh, basic ball are working with the basketball kids, so yeah, there's quite a mix, a couple of baseball this year, funnily enough, um, with the American curriculum coming into it, so uh, it's always interesting to see who kind of shows up. Uh, in terms of DC, um, it's quite set in stone, you've got 
Uh, there's quite a strong netball influence in DC. There's quite a strong rugby influence, and then we've got cricket. Good bunch of cricket boys there. We're coming along really nicely, actually, and um, some football as well. So, yeah, it's quite varied uh, yeah. programming skills. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're dealing with kids, so it's just don't hurt them and yeah. teach them how to move properly and develop develop some sort of work capacity. But what, what do you mean with the uh, the US uh, system? What is in what you're trying to bring the so, US curriculum over? Well, no, basically, so. I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of different curriculums in Dubai. It's not like yeah. home where you've got one curriculum. So there's the English, there's the French, there's a, a, a United States one. So because we're aiming to get these kids all the way over to the States more so than anywhere else, just because they provide scholarships mm. better than they would in, in Europe or the UK, um, we're basically just kind of going to push everyone toward, I think it's called K9 or something like that. Right. Um, and basically they're all going to work that way it's pretty cool new setup it's kids basically teach themselves now yeah it's not like you sit in a room and then it's all online it's pretty that, that was always a nice part of the US education system where they did tie it in so what's the word so kind of in conjunction with all the sports that they did yeah. there's an aspect of that that they really try and drive home kind of developing character through sports that you just don't get in the UK and I think that's part of the reason why you end up with like these footballers and stuff like that who just kind of lack any sort of humility or sort of reason yeah. and you know yeah. the, the, that whole culture of celebrity around it whereas you, oh, you obviously get it in the States but you have to do well at school in order to kind of get into the main teams and these sorts of things which is uh, I think kind of lacking in, in other countries yeah you're dead right I think I mean in university even uh, like the, the NCAA over there yeah. A step above Venezuela I've ever seen its class. Whereas, look at St Mary's back in the UK. Yeah, of course. <laughs> any, yeah. any, was it BSAC? Is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. BSAC, like it's, it's nothing to write home about. What's BSAC? Like, yeah. The universities leagues, isn't it? So, yeah. Oh, okay. But they, they, were, they were trying to a certain extent. So they had the the TAS scholarship scheme, so the talented yeah. athlete scholarship scheme. But man, it lacked so much funding that they're they're trying to push through all these athletes, but there just wasn't support. That is kind of changing now, just with the last two Olympic Games. Yeah. A lot more funding's going into it all, but uh, the states have always had that. Well, the states have more money in their university nowadays. It's far more expensive, and yeah. those tuition fees get filtered out and around kind of the facilities and the the caliber of the, the the lecturers and the coaches and the sports scientists that they can hire to, to teach the athletes. Yeah, completely. But it's a it's a strange thing looking at it because if you don't make pro in the states, then you're you're done with like you know yeah. you, you don't make the NFL and then it's like well there's no there's no even leagues to play in you know it's all kind yeah, of pick up yeah. stuff or whatever so it's a, it's all a bit strange to invest that much time in it and then have nothing to fall back on if you don't make the the top 10% and yeah just because like, you wonder how many athletes they're not getting because they just yeah, they just simply aren't book smarts no matter how hard they try they just their, their brain doesn't do the maths and they're their cognition doesn't absorb the uh, the literature, whatever. Yeah. And this kid's a super physically talented sports person who just, all right, you're out. See you later. Like at 15, because I know they make allowances for the older ones. They kind of find back doors for, for you know, from the, the blind side. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they portray him as not the, not the most. Do you know? Have you seen that movie? Yeah. They kind of portray him as not the smartest guy, but. Uh, I think there are other avenues though, uh, we can ask Nick this when he's on, but uh, there are like walk-in trials and those sorts of things. So I think there is like an opportunity if you do flunk out of college that you can find your way back to a certain extent, but certainly uh, 
college is like, I guess where you'd get the main experience of like playing in front of thousands and thousands of people. Like it's crazy compared to the UK. There you go. Yeah, I mean, the sports isn't over there. They've just got more money. A friend of mine went over to do his matches in one of the Dakota Techs or something or other. And uh, he was working with the, so the the girls' soccer team, but he had to help out. So that was like his designation for the, for the year. He was mm -hmm. their, their rehab guy, so their pitch side. He'd do the assessments, he'd do the taping, he'd stand on the pitch, he'd run on, he'd do all that stuff. But um, he had to help out at the American football games because they had so many players requiring strapping, just simply yeah. strapping. And beating up. They had a large, maybe the size of this room, so maybe like maybe 10 meters by 10 meters size rooms that were strapping rooms. So they had their, their big changing room, they had their showers, they had their medical room, they had their bosses, they had, they had the coaches little room off thing. Then they had this large open room with just these large like just plastic tables. It's a hard solid table that the guys could sit on and they just sit on and tape them. Yeah. There was like eight people taking these and they all got paid for mm. Like just the money they have in the sport over there for that level. Yeah, but I mean they, they could spend their money on something else, but there's, there's that sort of all-American attitude where like being physically fit and good at sports is inherent to that. Like it's just part of the culture that, where it isn't in other places. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So then from, well, what were we talking about? We are talking about the schools uh, and the youth training. Yeah, so what? You're also doing a lot of weightlifting, Olympic lifting with, with, the, with your gang. Yeah, so we have this, uh, for want of a better term, we've called it a strength and power club. Um, so we have this group of guys who come in, we treat it as a club basically and do a couple hours a week or a couple hours a night every week. Um, and yeah, just doing a lot of weightlifting, a lot of strength stuff, a lot of power stuff, explosive stuff. Uh, and we all know, like, once you reach that work capacity, once you're able to do that stuff, it's the most time-efficient form of training, you know. So, so what kind of stuff are you doing? What is the problem? <laughs> let's say, let's say, a, a, a normal session for a beginner, let's say, who just comes in pretty green off the road, you'd be looking at quite a high-volume session. Low load, but high-volume, just trying to get people to build that work capacity. What does green mean? So just fresh. New, unexperienced. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So a lot of big movements, a lot of like time under tension, just trying to teach people how to move and teach people how to build up that work capacity. Whereas you come into the Strength and Power Club, these are guys who've been through that, been through the mill for the last two or three years. You're able to push those their body to those limits. They've, they've not, not extreme limits, but like short, sharp burst limits. And they're able to get the best bang for buck out of that. So um, we may look to be doing some cleans sometimes with some box jumps or some heavy squats, and we may only pick two or three exercises per session. The session may last an hour and a half, but because they're resting quite a long period of time, you know. But at the same time, they're getting huge amounts of hormonal responses from these major lifts because they're able to reach these high intensities, and which you just can't reach as a, as a novice or a beginner. So um, it just kind of happened that I had a, quite a few guys who've been together for quite a while, and now we're uh, now we're setting up this little club. We've got about eight or ten strong cool. uh, on any given day, and um, yeah, we're doing some pretty pretty cool stuff, pretty fun stuff. It's never the same, but um, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. And all the guys, they're pretty much just coached themselves now. Um, so, uh, You're fired. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, it's good to get our, our our guys and our members to that point, you know, where 
we've taught you pretty much everything we can yeah. and we're just there to guide your path and you kind of pick and choose how you feel on the day and that's what training is about unless you have a real real strict and specific goal it's just about enjoying it and doing what you want and I think these guys are, are really buying into kind of the strength and power stuff which is fundamentally kind of the, the pinnacle of training really when it gets to it like you know, everybody wants to be able to do these really complex moves so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah it's satisfying isn't it when, you're not, when you can get a bar a heavy bar off the floor well, I can't do it it's too far for me right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the travel it two, 15 feet up in the air see you later <laughs> I'd rather just do just do hamstring curls but uh, it's interesting like, that is kind of the paradox of uh, coaching in the sense that we're we're trying to Provide, we're trying to get a living by basically making ourselves not necessary. <laughs> There's something weird about that. Yeah, the aim, I mean, it's, from a rehab perspective, it's especially true because you have someone who's injured, they need to not be injured. So they're coming yeah. to me for whatever, their hurty leg or their hurty back. The aim is that I take them through the process and then set them free. Mm. Like, well, you're better now, off you go. Yeah. Um, but that, like, kind of what you said, like, we give them the tools, they know how to move, and they know how to do it, but they, what they don't know, and this is because they haven't spent their time educating themselves, is the programming, like the actual layer deeper, that's the science, the, pro, the, the combination of this plus that equals this goal, or this plus that equals that goal. Um, you know, they know how to move, and they, they, they uh, you tell them what, you tell them the exercise that just maybe need, might need reminding, Mm. What, move, what the movement looks like and oh yeah okay off I go and then if they're troubleshooting come and talk to you that's the kind of the, the gold standard of, of training isn't it yeah I mean you can always refine movements I mean back when I used to compete uh, the sessions like the coach he was kind of an old school um, kind of like Mickey from Rocky style guy that sort of character but you'd go in and uh, every session there would be something to work on something and that was over the course of like two three years they'd always be able to pick out some little aspect of the movement that needed a bit of polishing or, you know, so it's interesting. But uh, yeah, weightlifting is a tough one because it's, it's one of those sports, as you say, where like the, the learning curve is very steep, but once you hit a certain point, it becomes fairly autonomous from there. Um, so like, how, how would you coach it? Like, let's say you're a beginner coming in, because yeah, I've, I've had like three, I've, had, I've been taught weightlifting by three different coaches, vastly different methods and styles some were like so technical they wanted to break down every part and then some were like just jump with the bar and catch it um what would your philosophy on that be yeah i mean there's what, what's that what's that expression um paralysis by analysis yeah, yeah. it's like just avoid that at all costs you know yeah i don't know i know matt you're a big believer in just shut the hell up and let them figure it out for themselves. Yeah, some people hate that though, because they're like, did I do that right? And I always have to now say at the start, the less I'm saying, the better you're doing. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I don't know, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, yeah, it is so, so technical, but you're never gonna be able to explain these things to people. They need to feel it for themselves. So you see, you look at them, you break it down really, really simply. Yes, there may be four or five portions of the lifts, but break them down and don't name them what they are, don't name them. Squat, clean, hang, push. Yeah, I don't know. I still what don't know what the names are. What are you, what are you talking about? I've never coached them. What are you talking about? Just call it number one, all right? There's number one. Okay, this is what you need to do. And then straight away, that's so much confusion gone out of the, of the picture. Um, and, yeah, just let them do it and do it and do it until they, until they get it right and start to feel actually, oh, that's what he's talking about. Okay, but 
if I had told you that six weeks ago, you'd have been like, yeah, yeah, I understand. But actually, it's gone in one year, and I do it around, I've forgotten about it. Yeah. So there's, there's, a, there's a huge element of coaching where you actually have to shut the hell up. And I think that comes with a bit of confidence in your own ability to coach. Like, if you're, if you're a novice uh, coach and you're, and you're coming out, and you just want to show the world that yeah. what you know, and yeah. I'm absolutely guilty of it myself, but the more kind of case studies you've been through, it's like, actually, I know the process. I know what the outcome is going to be. I don't need to tell this person this every 10 seconds. I need to shut the hell up and let them figure it out for themselves. I'll tell you what, as well, I had a guy in my first few weeks as a fitness instructor back in 2005 or six or something back in Dublin. I thought, yes, right, so we did a good job in the bag. Here I go, I'm going to change the world. Everyone's going to have six packs and bikini bodies into the gym. There's a guy doing something with dumbbells, lying on his back, pushing the dumbbells up in the air. I was like, oh, this old guy is okay, I'll go and I'll help him out. He's not really doing that the way I was told last month. So uh, <laughs> I go, sorry, mate, do you mind if I just give you a bit of, a bit of advice on that? And he, he, he puts the dumbbells down, he sits up and he looks at me and he goes, I've been doing this in prison since before you were born. And I just went, whoop! <laughs> Fair enough. That is the last time I'm going to just take it on my initiative to go interrupt somebody and tell them what to do. Unless someone's hurting themselves, or like, <laughs> that's that's slapped in my face. But it's such a it's such a weird atmosphere at the gym because there's some people who who want to go in and they want to be coached and they're there to be around people who are doing it almost like socialized to a certain extent. But then for some people, it's like their temple, like it's like their meditation. It's like how dare you come up and disrupt me? Yeah. So it's such a weird sort of thing. Like you got to really sort of you know know how to play it, and that, that's difficult for sort of new gym instructors and PTs and coaches. It's also because it's also difficult because their managers are standing over them. Yeah, tell them. Tell them. You Make a sales song. You need to speak to him. You need to talk to him. Oh, you're a new PT. You need clients, man. Out you go. Yeah. Work the floor. Speak to everyone, and you just go. Oh, sell, sell, sell. Yeah, that's I think the, uh, the good thing about what we do and, and the group stuff that we had, I said it to Nick yesterday, we had a bunch of newbie kids in the gym and Nick, when we must have had about 15 or 20 kids in, and um, all new and I had about five or six I reckon guys from last year and you know that saying, it's like uh, if you train one dog He'll train the new dog. Is yeah, yeah. What is it? There are expressions like that. I But you know, you know, you bring a new dog into a household. You don't have to train him as much as okay. it took for to yeah. He knows to train that old dog. So it's kind of like these these older kids are just leading by example, and the the others just they just follow. You know. So I think I need to work on my expression skills. There, there is a classic story about that. Maybe it's too long for the podcast, but about the the gorillas are in a cage. And oh so yeah, I tried telling the story just oh, me the other day. So there's I'll tell it quickly. So there's a banana hanging on top of this cage and uh, this was like a big psychological study so and they, they brought a load of I, I, don't, I don't think it was gorillas I think it was like chimps and uh, they set up a ladder and eventually the chimps worked out oh, if I climb the ladder I can get the banana but what they did was they, they would have like a, a water cannon there not excessively like a water cannon they'd have a hose but every time one of the chimps would climb up the ladder try and reach for the banana they'd squirt the other chimp off to the extent that then the chimps would, they would remove one chimp who knew the rules and put another chimp in. Yes, and the chimps went, stopped climbing the ladder because they knew that this negative thing was going to happen. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the new chimp would try and climb the ladder, the next the, one of the chimps would then stop them. And then they would eventually remove all of the original chimps to the point where there was completely brand new chimps. None of them knew why they shouldn't climb the ladder. 
but every single one stopped the other one from doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of exploring this idea that we, we just, in tradition and things like that, we do a bunch of things and we have no idea why we do it. We yeah. just do it because people you, like, Yeah, culture and laws and like society, like, yeah. okay, there's no, uh, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to smoke drugs, you're not allowed to smoke marijuana. Okay, yeah. why? Yeah. Well, where's the studies? Uh, well, look, I was told growing up you weren't allowed, so you're not allowed. Why? Because I said so. Yeah. Okay, go to your room. This is dangerous territory for this podcast, <laughs> but uh, to swing it back to coaching, so yeah, like the important part is, and that's kind of the art of it, particularly in groups, is in you're only one man, and if you've got a class of 20, then if you can just teach a couple of people, and then particularly the ones who are naturally more dominant and kind of the natural leaders of the group, then they can go around and they can help them. Yeah, that's certainly something that. Uh, I've used extensively whenever I've worked in groups. So what would it take, what would it look like for a novice coming in? Like someone who wants to start weightlifting, like how long are they looking at before they can be competent or like what, what should they be concerned about? What, you know, how do you get a new person up to this basic standard of, uh, what should you call it? This uh, competence, yeah. Um, I'm happy to give people a go, like, people pick up bad habits when they've been training on their own for a while. If somebody comes in totally novice, they're actually open to kind of coaching and taking cues on board. So I'm happy to try with people, but if they don't really, if it's quite evident that they need to, they need to develop their, their general motor pattern skills um, a little bit further, then we can, we can change the program for them. Um, but generally when people come in, uh, I have a few little tricks in terms of coaching that we can just kind of get people lifting relatively straight away. You know, obviously there's beginner phases, um, but yeah, if people need to need to get on board with uh, and get into the weight room, um, but then yeah, it's, uh, it's it's easy it's easy enough to without giving too many. Are you doing that? Are you lifting with like broomsticks and plastic pipes, or are they going? Net balls generally, kettlebells seem to be the best uh, form or seems to be the best approach. So. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's loads of different ways to go about getting beginners from point A to point B, but uh, yeah, again, it's going to take a lot of time before they really see the benefits of it, um, because they're not, they're, it's going to take time to develop that work capacity. I'd rather just push them towards a different style of training and um, let them build up that way, you know? Yeah, so you've got, so the, the kind of people that wouldn't be suited are the type of, like the sedentary people who want to get in and just start Olympic lifting. It's like, you're not ready for that yet. Why don't you spend a few weeks or a few months just squatting, like just lunging, getting your, your yeah, getting yourself conditioned. Um, it's, it's a nice way of coaching as well. Uh, it's something that uh, I remember Charles Poliquin saying back in his seminar that I went to a couple of years back. Rather than coach at all, just give a simpler exercise, have them do that and then have them be like, look, remember that exercise, right, that's what you need to do at this point. Um, and it's much more of an intrinsic kind of internal understanding rather than just trying to basically follow a bunch of external technical cues that you're giving. Yeah, this is the exercise of a big thing on that is the, the type of cues that is intrinsic or was it intrinsic? Extrinsic. Extrinsic, intrinsic, and then there's outcome-based as well. So well, yeah, the old knowledge of results or knowledge yeah. of process. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite an interesting topic that is, okay, push through the floor or jump to the ceiling. You know, it's yeah. the same, same outcome, but 
you're given different goals or different different cues, which is quite an interesting topic. I think we could talk about that for a long time. So. Yeah, yeah, the mind works in, in, in a weird way. Like when you just change the language and the intent, suddenly yeah. you get a completely different response. Yeah, you need to know these things. You need to know that like this person's not getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I've only just met them. What way can I convey my message? Yeah. And then you need a whole. That's where the experience comes in. That's where the good coaches sort of separate themselves. Where you now you know, okay, this person, they're looking at me, looking at my mouth, mm. but I think this person's actually going to look learn better if I do it. You know, so if I demonstrate it a bunch of times, okay, now the penny's dropped. You're right. Now you got it. You see, funny enough, you say that uh, when I went when I was in Boston with the Cybex that we he, the guy is a guy called Dr. Paul Juris. He used to work for like the um, oh, what's that? Uh, I think it's a basketball team, the Mavericks or something. Maybe a baseball team. Can't remember. Anyway, he was talking about coaching, and he was actually saying, uh, "Whatever you do, don't demonstrate." Just from a psychological standpoint, that uh, if you're demonstrating something and you're showing kind of how easy you can do it, and then the new person goes in, realizes that they can't do it, that's like a humiliating experience. And so, just from that side of things, that's what the boy lecturer tell us in university. She said, demonstrate the, the, the movement five times yeah, there, silently. Yeah. So she was the officer, she said, demonstrate it five times silently so that they stop listening and they look yeah. and then verbally tell them. That would be my feeling as well because when, when you, people talk about the learning process, they talk about like kinesthetic learning, uh, reading, visual learning. By not demonstrating, you're cutting out like a massive part of people's learning process, like the idea of just looking and seeing, like monkey see, monkey do is kind of a classic, but uh, no, it's interesting that he said that, like just from an emotional standpoint, lots of things to learn. That's really like, oh no, I can't do that, well, hold on, relax, yeah. we'll do it, and you'll be able to do it in 10 minutes, we'll just break it down. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm fully on board with that. No, I wasn't either, yeah. but it's an interesting point, and I guess some people would be like, oh, oh you made it look so easy, I'm rubbish at this. Uh, well, yeah, maybe, but maybe I think... Maybe that for sure, yeah, yeah, that might happen, but then you go, you laugh it off, and you go, don't worry, keep trying. We'll yeah. tweak this, this, and this, and now you're doing magic, there you go. Saying that, I think it's, going back to how uh, break down the, the, the lifts itself, I think it's important to be able to talk a person through a session while you're sitting down. Yeah. You know? Um, people also often say like, oh, lazy coaching, sitting down. I think it's actually, if you have the eye for it and your spirit, you can communicate it well enough. You don't need to stand up. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think it's, that's that's one thing. I, 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 I'll kneel down a lot during a session, you know, and I'll just watch and kind of pick things up that yeah. people normally wouldn't because when you're, you're taking it on board and you're not trying to express every bit of information that you know. And you're still being a distraction. Like they're yeah, trying to exactly, lift and yeah. somebody's walking around like back exactly. to front, back to front, like looking at oh, right and then they're like, am I doing this right? Yeah, just shut up and sit there. Yeah, yeah, there's also like, yeah, I, I can't, I see some coaches doing the whole 360. Mm. I was like, you don't, maybe that's, maybe they need to do that. Maybe their, their vision is like something specific that that's how they are used to coaching and they're in that habit and that's what works best. But yeah, you can, coaching is just, it's, it's a combination of everything. Yeah. Verbal, chat, demonstration, see how they feel, get them going. Um, okay, so then the other thing you've got going on, Chris, is the outdoor club. So, where did that come from? What's the, what's the story behind that? That kind of happened by accident, but it's probably the one thing I'm most excited about um, for the PTC. Uh, I, I, ended up, I went over one of my uh, 
one of my semi-private members, she took me out um, mountain biking and I absolutely loved it. I'd been into my biking as well just previously so kind of kind of keen to get on board with the mountain biking and then I just realised, oh God, Dubai has so much to offer outside of the Sheikh Zayed Al-Kale kind of yeah. line. Um, so yeah, kind of got into that and then it started off as a joke as the PTC Outdoor Club and it's kind of just snowballed from there. Uh, we're now working with uh, kayaking companies. Um, so what is it? What happened? What, what are you doing when people are bringing them so out? So basically we'll just bring them out once, t- uh, twice or three times a month. Uh, depending. It's pretty casual at the moment. Um, and yeah, we'll either go cycling, we'll go kayaking, um, we'll go trekking, hiking through the canyons, through the mountains. Uh, there's a few trips to Oman planned up. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's basically just snowballed into what we hope to make a fitness retreat or multiple uh, trips, fitness trips throughout the year. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I'm just back from Sri Lanka. I did a pretty awesome trip out there, and uh, I thought I kind of put two and two together and was like wow fitness retreat and a bit of an adventure trip yeah you can join them. so yeah that's the plan for the next summer so I'm really really pumped for that um, uh, along with some other smaller trips in between and it's actually based on what where our kind of whole philosophy is bringing people together as a community and stuff like that it's just one great way to get Keith's members Matt's members Nick's members and my members out together yeah. getting to know each other uh, and yeah, just just seeing what Dubai has to offer, it's uh, and it gives people a bit more of a reason to train. You know, it's like I'll come in, I'll lift weights, and I'll go home. You know, like yeah, that's great when you that's what you like to do. But if you're being told to lift weights because it's healthy for you, well then you kind of need something else to work towards. You know? yeah, so yeah, let's get out and let's get some bloody fresh air into in this country. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think people um, just need to see it. And that, that was like where the whole sort of sport specific thing sort of took off and then went too far really. But like you sort of try and take a step back and like, okay, why are people thinking like this? Because they, they want to see an outcome for all this work they're doing. Yeah. Simply being able to lift more weight in a gym in some sort of static environment with a, with a fixed bar is uh, for most people. Um, awful. Just, just, well, not awful, but just not, not fulfilling. Because it's like, well, I'm not in the gym on my outdoor life, in my, you know, in my daily life. I need to be able to feel like I can run upstairs and I can jump and I can do this and I need a way of seeing progress on that front. So yeah. if you join up and you, you go to these cycling clubs and kayaking and you feel stronger and then the next time you go, maybe you cycled a little bit further or it felt a little bit easier. Those are the things that will yeah. kind of click and then you're going to be wholly in the process. Cause you're like, wow, this works. Exactly, exactly. And it's a chance to like, <coughs> what if somebody goes kayaking with the outdoor club one day and then they're like, oh my God, I love this. And then six months later they're kayaking down the Amazon. Yeah, that's right. That's the band advice. It's just, it's, it's just so much opportunity and it's, it's so like undervalued at the moment. People don't seem, haven't seemed to click with people, you know? So well, it's, it's just the kind of thing that I think people sort of from our part of the world, like, you know, Europe and America and some place in Australia, you know, you're growing up around the countryside, you're growing up outdoors, you're always outdoors playing and then you sort of come over to Dubai and you get this sudden impression that it's too hot outside and the desert doesn't have mountains and there's no fields and there's no country lanes and there's no trees to climb and all this stuff. So, like, what do you do? Okay, you have to go to the gym, you have to go to the beach. Okay, oh, do you know what I'd love if there was somewhere we could go mountain biking or we could go cycling? 
oh, it's a bit far, I don't want to drive, and now hold on, oh, there's a group of people going, yeah. you know, there's a big crew going, why don't you just come along, you don't have to do anything, there's beginners, intermediates, and advanced options, like, we're just going out for a bit of fun, okay, cool, then they go along, they get a bike, they cycle around, and then, what, six months later, like you and Spence did, you're cycling from London to Paris, yeah. um, on the adventure of a lifetime, or, you know, if somebody suggests, why don't you try doing a triathlon? Well, you know what, well, I'm not too bad on a bike. I know how to run. Maybe I'll just work on my swim. Okay, cool. And now you've given, you've opened the door to five, ten years to somebody else doing a, a new career. And they, they don't necessarily need to ever go to the gym again. Yeah. But they've been exposed to something that they love. Exactly. And that's effectively what we're, we're here to do is make a difference in people's lives, I suppose, isn't it? And yeah. If we can do that, why not? Giving them 12 bicep curls to do at the end yeah. of the session will then brilliant. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and from even that extra day, they get all the added health benefits yeah. over the course of their, their mm. exercise career that they would have got if they had spent that time in the gym. Yeah. Exactly. Those things aren't easy. Have you, done, have you gone to Hazard? No, for the cycling. I don't do bikes. You don't do bikes. Matt doesn't do bikes. And Matt doesn't do anything. When we were on the radio, <laughs> we were on the radio last month, and she was like, she said something about oh, which glasses do you like doing? Yeah, which glasses do you like? And ah. I was like, uh, none. None. Nope. <laughs> okay. It was there for intense intensity. Yeah, we had a little chat then during the break. We kind of laughed and she goes, right, I'm going to come back to you on that. So then she came back to me and was like, right, man, what are you talking about? And I Why? gave a beautiful answer. Matt gave a sports science. This is what I like to do. Yeah, the whole thing was, the whole thing was kind of reiterating what we said. It's what we like to do. We do what we love so that we do it. The kayaking was good fun. I can deal with boats. I don't like bikes. They're uncomfortable. But yeah. you, like, you ran a marathon. Yeah, I could, yeah, the running's all right. I'd rather run a marathon than uh, spend like two hours on a bike. I'd rather run for four hours than do two hours. Really? Yeah. When did I ask you to do two hours on a bike? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was surprised we did a fe- what uh, an inspiration yeah, yeah. Nah, you're, uh, just, we'll, we'll make this we'll promote this and get people going but uh, we did a, fun, um, a uh, fundraiser a few years ago here in Al Qudra for 50k I was dreading it like I couldn't think of anything worse I was only doing it because I believed in what the foundation were doing raising money for a guy who, who broke his back playing a rugby match mm. um, I got the Mike Ballard Mike Ballard foundation um, and got on the bike, okay, there's all the rugby boys were there, saw the team, so it was just a bit of fun. Uh, I loved it. I was like, I'm having, this is, I'm, I've, this bike is, whatever, maybe the bike wasn't my perfect fit. Mm. But the, I only had one gear actually, because my gears broke. But the boys, Alex didn't, Alex Lee didn't have a, uh, a key, a, a saddle thing. So about five minutes into being his saddle went <laughs> And then he was sitting at the, he was sitting at the bottom of the, of the saddle bike for That's like a chopper. two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> the other boys were all sitting, they were sitting on their left bum cheek, they were sitting on their right bum cheek, they were standing, they were complaining the whole way around and I was just cruising. But to be fair, the next time I went I didn't like it. But even like, even Al Kudra, you know, yes it's, it's a great facility, it's pretty, it's pretty barren out there. But then again, they have loads of little cool events, like they'll do moonlight rides and like even around Burj Khalifa they do, or Burj Al Arab, they do a, they do moonlight supping, uh, stand-up paddleboarding. But I think the fact that there's nothing there is nice, just because you can't cycle around here. Like if you cycle around yeah, Dubai, like yeah. you're you're gonna die. Like yeah. the chances are you're gonna die. Yeah. And so to have something where there's absolutely no cars and no space, like it's a nice, very nice sort of contrast. Also, like uh, for the serious people, it's it's exactly what they want. Because yeah. like, so first of all, there's no traffic, no friends. But also, they're not looking around. 
they're looking at the guy in front of them on the peloton and they're you know they're powering through their legs they're, they're in tune with how their body feels they're not interested in the in the mountains and the hills or the the sand either side of them they're just like let's get this done i'm against the clock let's go yeah. it's the leisurely people that probably won't be swayed by it's the people who just want to go for a cycle get off their bike go for a walk throw feed the ducks you know <laughs> climb a tree let the kid run around the grass they're not going up there I heard somebody say the other day, cycling's uh, where it's the new golf in terms of networking. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Oh, man, when I went back to the UK, the amount of cycling groups that there are now, particularly where I live, where it's just it's not it's not a rural town, but it's it's kind of getting to that stage. But man, I, I went out for a coffee with my mom on a Sunday morning. We must have passed just in walking to the shop like five different huge cycling groups. Yeah. Um, Pelotons, man. Pelotons, sorry, Pelotons. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Um, thanks for that, Chris. We'll, we'll bring you back in another time when you've got more on your plate. Tell us more about the trips that are coming up with the uh, the outdoor club and anything else you want you want to talk about. Um, we'll have Nick on next. We'll talk about some fun stuff with him. We'll see what he has to say for himself. Um, so for now, that's it, Matt. Do you have anything to add? Nope. Okay, cool guys, thanks, see you next time. See you, bye.